Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. Our subject matter today is desire. And I don't know about you, that word is something that almost feels mythical to me. Like what, what does that mean? What do I desire? And I think for many of us, as women, we were kind of told or taught, even at a young age, that our desires don't really matter. So even if we wanted to be loud and obnoxious like the boys and jump all over the furniture, that wasn't really acceptable for us. So I think there's a lot of cultural challenges here when it comes to desire for women in particular. I think we are all struggling with meeting our own desires or sometimes giving into desires that actually aren't serving us. So I don't know, this thought came to my mind over the weekend. We had had some friends over and it's just a pattern I've noticed a lot. And there is zero judgment on this from a parenting perspective. I often am conflicted with the way that we are doing this as parents. So I can go back and forth on this. So zero judgment towards what I see from a couple of our friends and kind of how they're navigating food desire with their children. So um, like I said, zero judgment. I honestly don't know that we're necessarily doing it right. Or if there is even a right, I don't even like, I don't know the truth about anything anymore. So when I look at almost everything, I can see truth on either side of it. We're like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, that makes sense too. So I guess we're all just shooting in the dark. <laughs> um, I do find it interesting that I thought that I would have more certainty as I got older and I have less and less certainty as I get older. Maybe that's called wisdom. I don't know uh, because most things are not black and white. So maybe there is some wisdom behind that. But gosh, wouldn't it be nice if there was some sort of a like certainty manual? <laughs> Um, that we could all reference. So here's the scenario. I'm just going to give you this as sort of a, you know, starting point. You can picture sort of what desire looks like. So in my household, we don't typically restrict a lot of food from my kids. So we kind of let them grab snacks as they need. They don't always choose the healthiest snacks. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like we have snacks, you know, where they can easily reach them and get to them really as much as they want. Occasionally, I'll stop them and say, hey, we're getting ready to eat dinner. Do you think a Rice Krispie treat and gummies are, you know, something that we should be doing right now? Or sometimes I'll just plain tell them, no, like, put it back. We're getting ready to eat. But for the most part, they kind of, you know, grab things as they need. And I wouldn't say it's super excessive. So it's been working for us, I guess, is the point. So I don't see them digging in there excessively. You know, I think they just kind of, when they get hungry, they come and grab something and they eat. So we have a couple of different friends and I have noticed this trend, I think, in just parenting in our generation. It's, you know, about healthy eating. You know, like we want to hammer home what healthy eating is. We want to make sure that they understand what that is. Um, You know, I didn't really 
get a whole lot of that. We just ate food when I was a kid. Um, we didn't have a lot of money for a lot of, you know, healthy organic foods. And I don't think they were they were as accessible as they are today either. So it was just kind of a different model, you know. And so we all want our kids to be healthy, of course. And we don't want them just to be pumping their bodies full of junk. Like, you know, I I get it. This is where I argue against myself constantly, where I'm like, maybe I should be more strict on this, but I'm, you know, I'm just not. So, you know, I did notice that we started that track when I was, when we were new parents and my son was somewhat particular about food and he still is. And so we were starting to like really like hone in on this, like at dinner, like it was the subject of all of our meals sit there, eat this many bites. He was crying half the time. He threw up once. And that was kind of my stopping point where I'm like, what are we doing? Like, what, what, what are we doing here? Like, how is this adding any value? If anything, it's just making mealtime for him miserable. And that's what he's going to connect. And like, that's our time to sit and talk to each other. And I just, I don't want that. So we really, me decided to let go of that. Like, just kind of say, okay, like, let's give him some options. He's going to have a few options on his plate for healthy foods, which he loves, you know, fruits and some vegetables. And so we make sure he has options there. And we do ask him to at least try everything once, like give it a bite. If you don't like it, cool. Um, so anyway, that's kind of our model. And uh, many of our friends more on the healthy side are more restrictive. So they don't want them to have snacks all the time. They put the snacks up. They lock the snacks away, you know, those types of things. And again, there's zero judgment in this way of doing it. Um, It's just an observable thing when those friends come to my house. So we're in that stage of parenting where people can drop their kids off and we have playdates and it's lovely. We kind of take turns for each other. So, you know, we can do things on the weekends, maybe even just go work out or whatever that is. The kids are having a blast. We get what we want. It's great. So I have noticed that they often get a lot of snacks when they come to our house because it's sort of free reign. And they try to hide it. So I'll notice after they leave or just notice like, oh, they kind of hid all these wrappers. But I know how much was in there beforehand. So I know that they ate a lot. Like it's a lot. And so, you know, I've just been watching this. And when I think of just basic human desire and dangling the carrot in front of us, but then pulling it away, like knowing that something's there, but we cannot have it. How maddening that is for us as human beings. It's so frustrating. And then what happens on the other side of that is we want it so bad because we can't have it. So that desire just continuously grows and grows and grows. And then when we have opportunity, we are going to pounce. Like, let's go. Let's get as much as we can because I'm going to get home and not be able to do this. So doesn't that sound relatable with drinking alcohol and that desire? I know for me personally, with food and with alcohol, the answer has never been to completely remove it from my environment. So I know many people do that. And if that works for you, if it's a strategy that works for you, that's great. If you can do that long term, wonderful. But more than likely, you're going to have a scenario where you are going to be in a place where somebody's going to bring something to your house and they're going to leave it. And you're going to have to now have that desire because it's right there. You know, so like, how do we 
have the carrot there, have the carrot available if you want to eat the carrot, but maybe not remove the carrot completely. So I've never, you know, when when I first started the 30-day break, people are like, here's a tip. Make sure you remove all the alcohol from the house. Well, number one, we have an ungodly amount of alcohol in my house. My husband is really into bourbon, which I do not like at all. And so that's an easy one for me to not want. But there's a lot of alcohol in the house, like wine, you know, all that stuff. I really was focused in at that time on not white knuckling through this thing. Like I was hearing all these stories of people like dumping all the alcohol. You see it on TV. I'm going to open the wine and dump it down the drain. Ha! In your face. But that doesn't really take away anything from you other than feeling like I don't have any control over this. Like I, I can't even be in the same room with it. And I know for some people that is absolutely needed. So I'm not saying that I'm talking to the gray area drinker like I was, you know, where I was drinking more than I really wanted to, more often than I wanted to. It was interrupting my health, but it wasn't ruining my life. So when we think about desire and where it comes from and how often we really give in to our desires, even when it's a healthier desire, and most of us aren't, you know, most of us are have the strategy of remove it from the environment and then I just don't have to think about it. But that doesn't stop the thought. So not having wine in my household for the first six months wouldn't have stopped that pattern and behavior in my brain where I thought, okay, I'm cooking dinner. I normally open wine when I cook dinner. Oh, that's interesting. I have wine I could open, but I don't want to open the wine because I'm actually desiring a hangover-free morning tomorrow. So I'm going to delay the the gratification for that until tomorrow. That's what I really desire. So I started getting clearer on my desires when I had the carrot right in front of my face and I had the choice. Was I going to reach out and grab it? Was I going to run after it and chase it? (laughs) Was I going to just leave it and let it be? And more often than not, I just let it there. I let it there. I didn't really do much with it other than noticing it and asking myself if that desire was even really true or not. So our brains create these patterns of behavior. And if you've been drinking, you know, since your early 20s, like I have, you know, it's been half my life that I have been drinking alcohol. So there have been many, many, many patterns created in my brain about what my thoughts on alcohol are. You know, like this is adding value to my life. This is what classy adults do. It's reserved for adults because only mature people can really handle it. You know, like that's sort of the message we got even as kids. And all of that is just bullshit. You know, like that's really true. There are many adults that can't handle alcohol, as we know. So that's actually not really true. It's not a mark of maturity or morality to be able to have a drink and put it down or not drink at all. Like there's no morality attached to it. But we've done that in our brains because our culture tells us that. So. What do we do with this? Like, what do we do with these desires? So, you know, I've talked about creating new reward re- reward systems. I have such a hard time with that word. What is that? Reward systems. Creating new reward systems for ourselves. Also just recognizing what it is we're actually desiring in that moment. So using the scenario of cooking dinner and my pattern of behavior is opening wine. 
And what is it that I'm looking to get from the wine? What is it? And more often than not, it was to create space between my work thoughts and my home thoughts. And it's really hard to turn one of those off. So it's really hard to go from work and to come home and suddenly just turn off all thoughts about work. Our brains just don't quite work that way. And so that's what I was desiring was like some break, like something that would snap me over to now the current environment that I'm in. I was also desiring rest. I just wanted to chill. I didn't want to have to figure out what was for dinner right when I got home. But if I didn't, well, the kids were little at the time and they needed to eat and they needed to go to bed early. And like, it was just like, it just felt like there were, you know, all these things that had to happen. And if one of those dropped, we were just screwed. So, you know, as I got into it, it's like, okay, so if I want rest or maybe I just hate doing dinner, what if I asked my partner to help me? Or what if we ordered out more? What if we ordered a meal kit so I didn't have to think about what it was and I could just start cooking? What if I popped in my headphones and took the dog for a quick walk before I decided to start cooking? Maybe that would be the disconnect I needed. All of those strategies work for me. Also turning on music and kind of just dancing along while I'm, you know, cooking or figuring out what's what we're going to have for dinner just makes it more fun. So, you know, I talk about the three B's a lot inside of my coaching program, the bag it better or barter it. I think this is a perfect example of ways that we can do that in order to just change the pattern, change the routine. And really, like deep down inside, I really don't want to cook dinner every night. I hate it. I hate the planning of it. I don't want to do that. So if I can barter that to someone else or better it or bag it at times by just going out to eat or everybody fend for themselves now that my family's older, maybe that's maybe that's just fine. You know, maybe that's what the actual desire is. So hone in on what the desire is. Ask, ask the five whys. I think this is a good opportunity. You know, I keep saying I want to give you guys tangible things to think about, but the five whys is a tool that we learned in coach training. I've also learned it in some Lean Six Sigma work. And we just keep digging in deeper to what the real problem is. So, okay, so I hate cooking dinner. Why? Well, because I've already made a million decisions at work and I don't want to make any more decisions. Okay, why? Well, because my brain is fatigued and I want somebody else to own something in my household that I don't have to own. Okay, well, why? Well, because I feel like that's fair. I shouldn't have to own all this decision making. I want my partner to own some of the decision making. I also feel like I deserve a break. Okay, why do you deserve a break? Well, because I do a lot and I'm successful in the work I do and I really think I deserve a break. Okay, so is alcohol going to give me a break? And the answer is really no in the long term. So asking yourself these questions and talking back to yourself, like you can't just get rid of desire by ignoring it. It's still going to be there. So... I think that's my point connecting back to the food where that desire is still there even though it's locked up. Like they can't have it, but that didn't make the desire go away. I just put it out of sight, out of mind. So for those of you that might be on a new journey with this or it's, you know, fairly new and you've maybe quit drinking or you're thinking about taking a drink or taking a break from drinking, 
I will say that the first 30 days, I don't really focus in too much on this in particular. I want you to definitely check in with your thoughts, but you will have to distract yourself in those first 30 days and you may have to just sort of bypass the desire. But as you get more time under your belt, you can start to get more clarity around what is the actual desire here? What is it? it what is it that I actually want? And then asking yourself those five whys, you know? So like I said, the first couple of weeks, you were probably going to have to sort of white knuckle through it. But we don't want that to be your long-term strategy because it just doesn't pan out for us long-term. It only works for the short-term. I have never been successful with a single thing by white knuckling through and not actually digging into the deeper whys behind what's going on. So the other thing I want to tell you, if you're newer to this journey, if you're not, you already know this. If you just let the desire be there, you talk back to it a little bit and say, I see I'm desiring to open a bottle of wine. Hmm, that's interesting. I wonder what you think you're going to get from that bottle of wine. And, you know, like just talk back to it like you're having a conversation with a friend and it actually goes away. <laughs> so for me personally, the desire doesn't continue to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. It actually just goes away eventually if you just sort of start doing something else while not ignoring the fact that you're having a desire to drink. So distraction can be useful in that short term to be able to sort of surf that, that urge or that desire to drink. A huge one for me when I was desiring a drink and I was like, gosh, like, I deserve this, damn it. Like, I deserve to have a drink. I would say I deserve to have something pretty and tasty in a pretty glass and to sit down and put my feet up for a little bit. But I don't deserve a hangover tomorrow morning because that's what I was getting. You know, it's like it was fun in the evening and then the next morning it's like, I'm sluggish. I didn't work out. And then this whole spiral just happens. So really asking yourself, like, what is it that you deserve? And it's not a hangover. You didn't earn a hangover, but you do earn, you have earned some rest time. And if putting a pretty drink in a pretty glass that is tasty, that is happens to be non-alcoholic, gets you to that desire or what you deserve, then do that. You know, so there's all sorts of strategies that you can do to start to break this habit that you have had for a really long time. Also patterns of thinking that you've had for a really long time. And those are tough to break. So I want you to give yourself some grace and some compassion with this because it's going to take a while. You've conditioned your brain your entire life to think one way about this and we have to decondition it. Is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, so you know what I mean. We have to uncondition, maybe that's the right word, uncondition your brain to believe this particular narrative and condition it to believe something different that actually is truer, which is the best part about it. So take that with you for this week. If you are desiring that drink, ask yourself the five whys. And ask yourself what you actually deserve. Ask yourself what you can do to create more desire in your life outside of alcohol. So maybe it's go see a show with a friend. Maybe it's just something off of that desire or reward list that we've talked about so much that we often just put on the back burner as women. So pull something out from that desire or reward list and 
let's tackle this week and beyond with a new way of thinking, a new pattern of behavior and challenging ourselves to keep the the foot on the gas on this. We have to keep doing it consistently in order to really change any sort of pattern. So have a wonderful week. We'll be back next Wednesday. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.